You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. Our guest on Preaching Source today is an old friend to many Southern Baptists, and that would be me included. Brother Junior Hill has served as a full-time Southern Baptist evangelist since 1967. He's a native of Alabama, earned a Bachelor of Science degree from Samford University, a Master of Divinity from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, and a Doctor of Divinity degree from Liberty University. And in addition, uh, I've spent some time on the platform of the Southern Baptist Convention with Dr. Hill. Uh, He served as first vice president of the SBC one year. And Brother Junior, welcome to Preaching Source. Well, thank you, Dr. Barry. I'm honored to be here. Uh, In his final letter to uh, Timothy, uh, Paul charged him in 2 Timothy 4-5, do the work of an evangelist. And I can't think of anybody who could better answer that question, so let me put it to you, Brother Junior. What does it mean to do the work of evangelism, evangelism, the work of an evangelist? I think when that word is used in the New Testament, it most always refers to uh, sharing the gospel in a way of being saved. Uh, Of course, there's evangelistic encouragement and evangelistic uh, prophecy and other things. But I think essentially the word evangelist in the New Testament always is aimed at sharing the simple gospel with those who are lost. Uh, From your perspective as an evangelist, what, what do you see as some of the challenges to evangelism within the Southern Baptist Convention today? Well, I thought about that, uh, Dr. Barry. Uh, I could just speak as an evangelist myself. The challenges that I face are probably no different than uh, most pastors. But in thinking about it, uh, I think of several things. Uh, First of all, there is the intimidation of simplicity. Uh, Quite often, uh, preachers fall into the, the... trap of trying to be clever or trying to be relevant and they they want to say something that somebody will remember and quite often uh, we get intimidated that the simplicity of the gospel uh, is so well known that we say well everybody knows that but the truth is everybody doesn't know that and so we get intimidated by its simplicity and then second of all we for an evangelist, we get intimidated by repetition. Uh, evangelists are quite often accused of, well, you preach the same sermon every time we hear you. But when you really look at it, Barry, if, it, if you're sharing the gospel, there is only one sermon. There is only one way to be saved. Now, you may phrase it differently. You may uh, use different illustrations, scriptural applications. But essentially, the gospel is never changes. And sometimes evangelists, as well as pastors, uh, get a little intimidated by thinking, well, I've said that over and over again. Everybody knows that. And they they just kind of get light on sharing the gospel because they think everybody knows it. But that isn't true. That's a great uh, admonition there. Uh, we're told that Southern Baptists are at a 70-year low in, in baptisms. Uh, recently, I had uh, Chuck Kelly here, and we talked about some of the statistics that he has mined out from Southern Baptist data. Uh, 70-year low in baptisms, 27-year low in church membership, 20-year low in attendance. 
what do you see that trend continuing or reversing or but the most important question is how, how do we reverse that how do we get it moving in the in a positive direction well i'm not sure i have the answer to how to correct it but i i do realize it is there i, I think there's several factors that have contributed to it uh, number one the culture has drastically changed when I started preaching 60 years ago, you could go to most any church, size-wise, anywhere, and there would be numerous lost people, unsaved people who would come. It was just part of the culture we lived in. Today, uh, you could go to a church significantly in size and maybe not preach to a professed lost person all week uh, as far as our knowledge of them. So they're not coming. And the idea that we can say, we're here, everyone come, those days are over if there ever was those days. We have to be very intentional in going after people. And, uh, and that brings another issue to us that intimidates us, and that is there is a hostility to the gospel. And when you share the gospel with someone and they, they uh, do not respond courteously. It puts a damper on your spirit. It's like a little child. If you had a little boy, uh, three years old, trying to learn how to talk, and every time he spoke, you said, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. It wouldn't take you long till you would uh, be a little hesitant to say anything to him. And the Bible says that if they hated me, they're going to hate you. So we're living in that day where a hatred and an animosity to the gospel is very prevalent. In our day, when I grew up, it was just a passiveness. Now it is an aggressiveness against the church. People hate the church. They hate Christians. And, uh, and that has filtered down until many churches have become rather intimidated. Uh, I, I don't... I don't know what the answer to that is, other than just to reclaim our passion to tell the gospel whether they hear or not. Hmm. Reclaim our passion. Uh, pastors are, uh, you know, evangelism is one of the things that a pastor has to be concerned about in, in his week-to-week -week life in the church, and uh, there's pastoral care, and there's leading the church in so many ways, but as you think about a pastor and his engagement in evangelism, where, where should pastoral evangelism begin? Well, I think obviously the first place is his is pulpit ministry. He has to sound the, the gospel message regularly. And as I say, uh, we, we don't need to be intimidated by the fact that people don't hear or won't hear. Uh, one of the things that I notice that I have a problem with, and I think pastors do also, is that we are unduly uh, impressed with our evaluation of who's going to respond to the gospel. And, uh, and that is particularly true with people that we witness to over and over again. We just say they're not going to respond. But there's a passage of scripture in Ecclesiastes that I really like. It says, he that considereth the wind and observeth the clouds, will not sow. In the morning sow thy seed. Now here's the word. For thou knowest not which will come up. 
And so what we do, we get uh, these studies and we get into the hyper-intellectual uh, assessment of things that we say, well, this one won't respond and that one won't respond. The truth is we don't know who's going to respond. So we just have to faithfully declare the gospel week after week after week and let God be determined who's it will. Hmm. Uh, what are some of the things that, that you believe keep pastors from evangelistic ministry? I think there are several factors. One of them is uh, uh, they're, they're afraid to have evangelistic services because uh, they're afraid their people won't come. I, I hear that over and over again. That uh, When I started out in the ministry 60-something years ago, churches generally had uh, a meeting every year sometimes two meetings. They'd have a summer and a, a spring and a fall meeting. And uh, today, many churches don't even have evangelistic meetings. And I think some of that is due to the fact that pastors don't want to be embarrassed by poor attendance. People won't come, and uh, they have the idea that it won't be successful, so they just write it off as a, a figment of the past, and it won't work today, but it does. And churches that prepare and work and plan and uh, do what uh, we've done in the past years are still reaching people, still having people saved. I think that's one of the major facts. And, uh, and there are some doctrinal issues, which I don't want to get in. That uh, <laughs> It's not my point to, to talk about that. But uh, uh, some have caused us to lose our passion for reaching people. Brother Junior, uh, you've spent uh, over half a century as an evangelist. Uh, what should a church and what should a pastor do to plan for a successful revival meeting? Those, uh, the, I mean, you're obviously you you believe that churches can still be effective in revival meetings. How do you do that? How do you plan a revival meeting that is a success? Well, uh, first of all, and I, I don't want this to sound self-serving because I certainly don't. I'm not looking for meetings. I have more than I can do now already. But uh, generally, and this might not be generally, but often I'd say, uh, when pastors have a meeting, they don't always think in terms of inviting someone who is gifted in preaching evangelistic sermons. And if you look at a lot of the meetings, they'll have uh, their pastor friends or they'll have a denominational leader or uh, someone that's well-known. And that's not to say those are not good preachers. I don't mean that at all. But if you're going in, I'm going to have a, a knee replaced in a, a couple of weeks. I want somebody that knows what he's doing when he opens up my leg and puts that knee in there. And uh, I don't say that evangelists know more. They don't probably know as much as pastors but they have a passion for reaching lost people. And they have learned through experience messages that God blesses, methods that God blesses. And so it seems reasonable that you would get someone who had some experience in winning souls and reaching souls to do that. But sometimes that's not the case. What are the qualities of a must-listen-to evangelist? What, if you could think of those evangelists that you just can't help but listen to, 
closely. What what are the qualities of a well, I, evangelist I mean, like I that? I don't know that I know that. If I did, I'd, I'd be practicing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would think, uh, uh, just offhand, I would suggest several things. First, first of all, courtesy, uh, kindness. Um, sometimes uh, evangelistic preachers become a little harsh and a little uh, judgmental and uh, self-righteous. And that's easy to do when, when, uh, when you're preaching to the lost people. And so I would say courtesy, politeness, likability, whatever that is. Just to, to, to try to come across as somebody that's where you are and uh, feels the same way as you feel and not to be intimidating. Junior, can you describe your own personal sermon preparation process? How, how do you, step by step, how do you go about putting together a sermon? Well, uh, I, first of all, I try to find a scripture that I think is going to uh, be evangelistic in nature. Uh, that it, within itself is uh, uh, why sometimes pastors are not evangelistic because they choose passages that don't lend themselves to evangelistic appeals and they have to do that as pastors I realize that they, they can't preach get saved exclusively every Sunday but I try to use a scripture that is going to verify what I say about being saved so uh, if I'm going to preach an evangelistic sermon I will I might talk about the door I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man entereth except through me. Or I would, uh, I would find a scripture that was evangelistic in nature, and then I would try to understand all I could about that scripture. Uh, I would look at where it was spoken, to whom it was spoken, what's the application of it, and then I would try to make it relevant for the present application. And... Uh, and as I say, uh, if you're an evangelist, you have to be very repetitious. I mean, if you had to come up with a new sermon every night, you just couldn't do that. And that's why evangelists get intimidated, because they, they think, well, I preach this over and over and over again. But uh, I would suspect if you heard the disciples, they did the same thing. I mean, once they knew what the gospel was, they preached it everywhere they went. And they, they may have told different illustrations or different observations, but it's essentially the same thing as an evangelist. And I try to remember that, that, uh, uh, you know, uh, after guys have been in a while, he begins to think he knows something and he tries to be clever or he tries to be uh, dramatic or something like that. But uh, I, I hope the Lord deliver me from that. All right, Brother Junior, I want to close by doing something that's going to require a little bit of imagination. You and I are a couple of old friends sitting in a recording studio, and we're, we're not in a church, and, and you just haven't preached an evangelistic sermon. But I, I wonder, for the, for the last you know, few minutes here, uh, could you imagine for a moment that you have preached an evangelistic sermon in a, in a meeting aimed at asking lost people to come to Christ. And I wonder if, if you could just give us a, a sample of 
of how you would wrap up a sermon, how you would issue an invitation, knowing that there are a lot of preachers out there that, that need a little help in hearing a good model. But I wonder if you could just tell us, uh, just give us a sample of, of how you would close a message to, to invite somebody to respond to Christ and be saved. How, how do you go about that? I would say, uh, of course, it might have a lot to do with the sermon that I preached. Uh, if I preached on the door, I might talk about how to get in a door. But generally speaking, when I close an evangelistic sermon, I would, uh, I would say, in closing, let me say to you several things. God loves you, and he wants to save you. And he gave his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. And whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And right where you're sitting today, you can call upon the name of the Lord in your own heart. You can receive Christ, and he will receive you. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. And if right here today you're willing to do that, just in your heart pray and ask the Lord to save you. And then as a token of that, if you wish to let people know to simply step down the aisle and share with the pastor that you've received Christ and you want people to know that. That's basically what I'd say. Wow. Uh, that is so simple. Uh, I think you're right. I think sometimes we might be intimidated by just how simple it is. Do you ever watch uh, Franklin Graham? I have. Mm -hmm. If you watch Franklin, uh, here's an ama amazing thing about Franklin. When you see him on a, a talk show or CN, CBN or whatever, any, Fox News, you watch him. Invariably, somewhere in the course of that interview, he will say, Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and was buried and resurrected to save sinners. He's going to get that in there somewhere. <laughs> and it's amazing to me that he always shares the gospel. Now, he doesn't have time to make the appeal like that, but he always gets that gospel in there. And I think that's what every preacher needs to do. Wow. That's a good word to conclude on. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been uh, Junior Hill, uh, probably at this point in history, the most famous living Southern Baptist evangelist. And Brother Jun Junior, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Brother Babe. Thank you.